and MLM Rebel is a new breed of network marketer, smarter, truly independent, and free. MLM Rebels wage war against the soul-sucking corporate world and against networkers who would rather preserve doctrine than helping people get results. MLM Rebels recognize when the world changes and changes with it. MLM Rebels don't believe in duplicating things that no longer work and would rather work without a safety net than within the confines of one. MLM Rebels are only involved in opportunities that give everyone an equal playing field instead of a top-heavy one. We don't care about the sacred cows of MLM, we don't care about the industry, and we do not care about the way it's always been done. We care about people following their gut. We care about people being able to quit their jobs now. We care about people being with their family instead of their boss every day. We care about people being with their family instead of their team all day. We care about people living free. We believe a truly free networker has multiple streams of income. We believe a truly free networker's creativity isn't shackled by their company's contract. We believe a truly free network marketer actually knows how to market and that they run their business like a real business. MLM Rebels prioritize faith, family, business, sacrifice sacred cows, build their own empires, never rebel against each other, and change the world. MLM Rebels know they are not confined by doctrine, not stifled by the past, and know they are one business away. My name is Zach Spear, and welcome to MLM Rebels. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I want to share some pretty cool stuff with you here today, and uh, hopefully you can't hear too much background noise. There is... Uh, I've tried to get to a quiet spot, and there's like some... What do you call it? Like the jackhammers? Uh, it's like these dudes with jackhammers, like, pounding the pavement, and... Um, I'm in this like, like valley kind of looking thing right now. So they're super far away. I can't even see them, but it like echoes through the whole valley. So I just got to a place that I think is pretty quiet. The only thing I can hear is these really like kind of pretty bugs making the sound in this valley. So hopefully that's the case. But <clears throat> today I want to share with you my, I guess, medium to long-term financial strategy. And I, thought, I started thinking about this today. Uh, or I started thinking about sharing this with you today because I was going through and you know doing our finances and things and and I started to think about you know as I'm doing them I'm like you know I think it'd be good to share this with you um, and I also started thinking about different types of like closing techniques and all these different things I don't know what it was about doing doing our finances that made me think about that but I it did and I do them once a week and essentially we put everything on uh, credit cards and. And then we pay them off each week. I do that because I don't, number one, I want the points. And two, um, I don't like thinking about the finance stuff too often, right? Um, you know, we're, we, we just basically put all of our charges on different cards, right? So we've got like our main personal card and we've got our main business card. And as much as we possibly can on both of them, rack the points up and then pay them off once a week. So then once a week for like 30 minutes, I go in, I do it all, and then I'm done. And then I don't have to think about it really at all. You know, I don't have to think about finances at all. I just, one time, bang, done. And um, then of course someone else does the bookkeeping and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like actually like paying the bills off, I do it once a week. And it made me think of it today when sharing with you. I think what I'd like to do is actually get someone to do that even once a week so that I'm literally never thinking about it. That would be, I think that's the next step. Because <laughs> I don't like doing them at all. I really don't enjoy it. I really enjoy like thinking about money and from like a bigger perspective and strategy and stuff like that. But when it comes to like pressing pay and all that kind of stuff, like I don't really enjoy it. Um, especially when there's like bigger investments that we're making sometimes. I hate like, I hate like, oh, where should I pull the money from? I hate thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, so hopefully at some point in the near future, I'll take the time to go and have someone do that for us, which would be super cool. 
But anyway, I wanted to kind of give you a yeah medium to long term financial strategy because you know obviously if you're listening to this, you are uh, going to be using your business to make money, but that's a lot different than keeping money or growing money. Okay. So let's kind of talk about this. I'm going to go high level and then maybe we'll do future podcast episodes about uh, going deeper in, Um, but I kind of go high level and then we'll kind of leave it there for now. So the first thing, the first step is when you make money, realize that you're allowed to keep it. Okay. I know that sounds, I know it sounds weird, but I found this to be true for myself, and I see this really, really true for a lot of other people that are um, maybe not as cognizant about this, and I'm naturally wired to not want to spend money anymore, okay? At one point in life, I've, I blew money when I was like eight, 17, 18 years old. I'd get money and I'd spend it. Today, I'm kind of naturally inclined the opposite way. When I get money, I try to keep it, um, just naturally. I don't, I don't, enjoy, I don't enjoy spending. Um, it literally is like, I enjoy not spending, if that makes sense. Um, so that being the case, I'm naturally wired that way now, but I wasn't always that way. And most networkers, in fact, are wired the opposite way, where they get money and they they want to spend it, um, or they're get or they're used to it, right? Because a lot of times they don't have a traditional business background, or um, you know they just believe it'll come in forever. And you know it definitely could come in forever, but that's not the way you want to handle your cash. So. Let's pretend, let's just use hypothetical numbers for a second, that you're used to seeing, you know, $500 in your checking account. Like, that's that's what you're used to seeing in there. If it's below that, you kind of get uncomfortable and you start looking like, where is that ne- next paycheck coming from? And if it gets way above that, um, well, something interesting happens. And you might not consciously recognize this, but you might actually start spending more money until you drop that account down to your comfort zone of $500. I know it's really weird, but it happens. So, for instance, um, uh, like I remember, you know, uh, maybe a couple years into our agency, I remember getting a pretty big, uh, at the time, it was a pretty big job. Okay, it was the biggest, like, lump sum payment that I received. And I remember getting that, and I was like, holy crap, there was like the most amount of money that I received from one particular job. And I was like, holy crap. And it was basically, it was like, it was like a full month or two months worth of my typical pay, but I got it in one, you know, one job that would take me a few days. And I took it and I took a little bit off what I, what I knew it would need for bills and, you know, expenses. And I took the rest and I put it into the savings account and I just let it sit there and I just tried to forget about it as much as I could. And basically I took it out of my checking account that I could see. Reason being is we typically like to, we, we don't like to, we just, we naturally spend money down to where our comfort zone is. So if our comfort zone is, like I said, $500, we'll spend down until we kind of drop it to that point. And then we're really happy if it's there. And if it drops below that, we get thoroughly uncomfortable and we'll try to bring it back to that comfort zone. I uh, listened to a podcast about a year and a half ago of a guy who sold a company company of his for like an obscene amount of money, you know, like 90 million or hundred million dollars. That was his take. Like that's how much he made. So he had like $100 million in his bank account, and he was clearly not used to that by any means. Um, and he asked like his, basically his coach, he said, what should I do with this? Should I put it into real estate? Should I put it into this? Should I put it into that? And the guy's like, don't do anything for six months to a year. Like literally don't do anything. Don't spend it. Don't change your lifestyle. Don't do anything. Just keep it. Because what you need to do is remove the idea that you got to get rid of that money. 
you just got to get, you see right now, you're not used to having a hundred million dollars in your bank account. So you're going to try to get rid of it. Like your, your, your wiring, your patterns inside of you will try to get rid of it because you're not used to it. So just, just get used to having it. So just leave it there. And you want to basically reframe yourself and get used to it. So when I took that first payment and that I told you about, when I took that first payment in, I just left it there and I got used to seeing it there. And then, so now, even to this day, it's never dropped below that's that particular savings account has never dropped below that amount, that one amount. Now I don't necessarily believe in holding cash. I'm going to tell you about in a second, but I never let that savings account drop below that because it makes me really uncomfortable to think about it being below that amount now. But before that day, it was always below that. See, what would have been a mistake is if I would have taken that money in and spent it as fast as it came in. And then I would have been like, oh, cool. Like I'm back to my comfort zone of whatever it was at the time, right? So the first thing you got to realize is when you get money, as much as you can, just don't spend it. (laughs) Just get used to having it, right? Now that brings us into step two. And to give you a little bit of background on this, just realize that cash inherently has no value to it. Okay, so if you're into, you know, financial policy or anything like that, you, you know, I would recommend going and looking how the, it's called the Federal Reserve System. Go on YouTube if you, I I recommend everyone doing this like right now. Go on YouTube after this podcast and look up Federal Reserve System and how it works. There's a really good breakdown by a guy named Mike Maloney. Um, He has a whole series about it. He is probably the best one I've ever seen. There's another uh, YouTube channel called Cold Fusion um, that does a really good job of breaking it down. But Mike Maloney's I think is a little bit better. Um, And it's how the Federal Reserve System works. That's basically how our financial system works here today. The bottom line is this, that every single dollar that we have is not backed by anything, meaning it's worthless. So back in the day when, you know, we were, you know, back in the, let's go way back in the day, in order to, if you had a chicken and I had, I know, uh, a wooden table and you needed the table, you would say, hey, Zach, what, what can I give you for the table? And I would say, well, I need a chicken or I need an egg. And you'd say, okay, cool, I got a chicken and he can lay some eggs, so I'll trade you the chicken for the table. And I was like, well, that's not really a fair trade. I mean, this is a nice table and that's one chicken. You say, well, okay, I've actually got five chickens. I'll give you all five chickens. I say, okay, that seems fair. So you trade me five chickens for a table. Perfect. Well, then things evolved and we realized that, well, I don't necessarily need chickens anymore and that's all you have is chickens, but we would like to still do trading i.e. business. We would still like to do business together. So can we create something that, you know, is tradable? So money was created and the most natural form of money was precious metals, gold and silver. Actually, it was weird stuff before that, but then it turned into precious metals. And that's basically what we've been using throughout human history is trading precious metals. Then, you know, obviously metals are different sizes, shapes, weights. So they started to mint them or make them uniform. Okay, I'm kind of jumping ahead. So you would take the precious metals and mint them into predictable denominations based on weight, that kind of a thing. And and then so you would give me gold for my table, etc., etc. And I would give you gold for your chickens. Well, it kind of became cumbersome to carry lump sums of gold around. So we instituted things called banks and banks would basically be this these places and they would say hey i'll take your gold and i'll give you what's called a claim check or a receipt for your gold they would give me the claim check and it would basically said i could redeem this at the bank for one unit of gold or whatever it is then i could go and trade that in the marketplace and then that person who received the claim check could go back to that bank and receive their gold back if they ever wanted it or they could just keep circulating that claim check that claim check is called currency. Currency, i.e. the dollar, or any other currency that's in circulation today's day and age. 
so that is how the systems kind of started. Now, in the 70s, um, uh, the president was in a huge, well, the country was in a huge financial crisis thanks to the Federal Reserve System being instituted. If you're wondering why all of our economic issues are there, most of them come from the Federal Reserve System, i.e. the central bank, which started in the early 1900s. Complete load of crap. Go listen to all that stuff that I told you about and you'll learn. Um, Anyway, things are really out of whack. In the 1970s, Nixon took the United States off of the gold standard, meaning this. If you took a dollar to a bank today and said, I want to redeem gold for this, they would say, what? <laughs> they would laugh at you. They wouldn't even know what you're talking about, probably. Um, there is, so what I'm saying is, you can't redeem your claim check, your dollar, is redeemable for nothing. Literally redeemable for nothing. There's no gold that's backing it. Um, there is no tangible asset that gives your claim check, your dollar, any value. To prove a point, the only reason that we're in a, that's a loud helicopter, the only reason that we are in a financial upswing right now, we've been in the longest bull run in history, um, in November, in November 2019, we'll be in the longest bull run in history and we probably will make it there. The reason that we're in this bull run is because in 2008, things crashed, as you know, and the way that Obama got us out was by giving the thumbs up to what's called quantitative easing. That's a really fancy term for printing money. So in the past nine years, 10 years, actually 11 years now, there has been more money printed in the United States just in the past nine years than there was in total circulation since the Federal Reserve came to be. So that means in the past 11 years, they have pumped more money into the system than there was even to start with in the preceding however many hundred years. That's insanity. What does that do? That does What that does to our buying power is severely diminishes it. Because if there's more money in the system, there's less demand for it. And since there is no cap on that, meaning there's no redemption of gold on that, that can get completely out of control. To give you an idea, we are printing $541 million a day, the United States is. That means there's 541 million new dollar bills coming into the system every single day. What is that money backed by? What's to say it's not going to be worthless tomorrow? Nothing. Absolutely zero. There's nothing that's stopping that. The only reason that the dollar's worth anything is because if you give me a dollar right now, the only reason I'll accept your dollar is because I believe that at this moment in time, someone else will accept that dollar for a good or service. But it's simply based off trust. It's simply based on the fact that someone else will accept it. But I can't take that dollar anywhere and get anything for it from a bank. I can't go get gold for it. I can't get nothing for it. It's not a claim check. It's literally a piece of paper with trust behind it. That's it. Every single time this type of a system has been instituted in the history of the world, and it's happened hundreds of times. If you're really interested in it, you can go and look. It's happened hundreds of times. Any single time, it's called a fiat currency system. It means fake money. Anytime a fiat currency system has been instituted in the history of the world, that currency has eventually gone to zero. Since the dollar has been instituted, it has lost 90% of its purchasing power since it's been instituted. So, what? why did I tell you all of that? Because I'm bored? No. Because back in the day, in the 20s, for instance, the 30s, <clears throat> if you were to save your money, that was a good plan, good financial plan. If you were to save your money because at that time it was backed by gold and inflation had barely really crept into anything yet because the federal reserve was just opened not too long before that so if you held your money 
1920. By 1930, it would still be redeemable for gold and would have barely lost anything to inflation. So that was a good deal. So that, that kind of adage of save your money was good fiscal responsibility at that time because dollars didn't really lose their value. Today, they're getting eaten alive by inflation. You know, no matter who you ask, safe bet is 3%. So you're getting eaten alive by inflation. And banks, if you put your money in a savings account or a CD, at best, you're getting 0.1%, maybe 0.2% on the dollar. So by default, just by holding your dollar, you're losing 2.5% every single year like clockwork. You're losing 2.5% just by holding cash. So saving money is not a good financial... It's not a good intelligent long-term solution. So what the heck do you do? Because if you hold more of it, you're just losing a bigger, you're just losing it, like the percentage gets bigger, right? Or the percentage stays the same, but the amount gets bigger. It's an exponential decrease in your purchasing power. So if you had $100,000 here today, well, how much will that be worth in 50 years from now? Basically nothing. I mean, think about it. Back, you know, I don't even know the, the number right now, but think back to 30 years ago. How much was, well, you could talk to anyone that was, that was you know, driving. How much was gas back then? Most people tell you a quarter, 10 cents a gallon. How much is it today? Depending on where you're at, it's three to four, five dollars a gallon. So if you saved, if you saved a bunch of money back then, do you realize how much less it's worth here today? The same thing is happening, but it's at a compounded, accelerated rate. So you can't save money and think it's a good thing for your future. Now, I know that is seems contradictory to what I said in the first, the very first part of this podcast, but it's actually not because we're going to move, we're going to do something with that cash. But the point is you don't want to just throw money away on useless liabilities. You want to put them into assets. So that's a little bit of a background, probably went a little bit too deep, but that's okay. So we're going to move forward and uh, move into what to do with that money. So I'll tell you what I'm doing with the money. So what we're doing with the money is we're using it in something called a uh, wealth maximization account, okay? So we uh, have, I'm a super nerd with this stuff, looked into index funds, mutual funds, everything that you could possibly think with this, with stocks and stuff like that. Obviously, gold and silver is part of our uh, savings vehicle because that does not lose to inflation. In fact, it goes up when things go backwards. It typically rises in value. But a wealth maximization account also uh, would be referred to as a private reserve account, I believe some people call it. It's essentially a specially constructed life insurance policy that pays between 2 and 5 and sometimes 8% a year. And it contractually cannot lose money. And by the default of how it's set up, it literally cannot lose money. So if I put $100,000 in today, it cannot go backwards. It is physically impossible for that account to drop below 100 grand, which is the exact opposite of what could happen in the stock market. And <clears throat> you'll gain between two and five. I think it's actually five. I believe it's a 5% um, increase. I don't know why I said two. You'll gain 5% a year and it's and it's not guaranteed actually now that I say that. I was a little about to say it's guaranteed. It's not guaranteed, but it's guaranteed not to go backwards. But in the past 166 years, it has paid a return between two and five, actually two and eight percent. So let's call it the middle, call it five percent. It's paid five percent and it can't go backwards. That beats inflation and it literally has zero risk. So that's number one. That's how we secure the money, right? That's how we are setting ourselves up to secure that. 
Um, if you want a, a kind of snippet into that, I would go listen to an episode on the uh, Mike Dillard podcast is what it's called now. It used to be called Self Made Man Podcast. So the Mike Dillard podcast, he has a guy named Patrick Donahue. Um, it happened a few months ago, so it's probably sometime between like March and somewhere around March. He had a, a guy named Patrick Donahue on his podcast. Go listen to that podcast and basically do everything he says, and that's how you can learn about the wealth maximization account. And um, if you uh, want me to hook you up with someone that can help you set that up, um, the person that's helping me, you can reach out to our support email and we can send you his name. So that's the first thing. Now that's going to give you a base layer. It's not going to make you rich, but it's going to secure your money. So you're not losing cash, right? You're not holding cash. You're at least growing it a little bit. Then the last piece of the pile or the last piece of the game plan is real estate investing, buying and holding apartment complexes. There's a whole huge reason for that. Um, there's a reason that I, cho- I chose complexes over um, houses, like single family houses. There's a reason that we're choosing apartment complexes over commercial retail or commercial office space or anything like that. So multifamily apartment complexes, that's the long-term game plan. We want to have just an absolute jillion units and that's where we're securing ourselves because at the end of the day the dollar i believe in our lifetime will go to zero and we will have a new currency system by the time we're dead that being said holding dollars is not useful but an apartment complex or a house is and that's going to surpass and outlive the currency change Uh, That being said, I totally agree with Kiyosaki, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, that a personal residence is not an investment. Um, If it's pulling money out of your pocket, which a personal residence is, it's not an investment. It is, by definition, a liability by pulling money out of your pocket. We've all seen that in 2008. Um, That also being said, it is one of Ashley parts of our game plan, if we find a place that we are going to live and settle down, which we don't know that place right now, but if we do find a place that we're going to live and settle down, we're confident we'll be there for 20 or 30 years, we will buy a place and pay it off as fast as we can and remove that liability from our life. So don't get me wrong, I do believe in buying a house if you're going to be there for 20 or 30 years. If you're going to buy a house and hope it goes up, well, um, I'm not into speculation like that. So you can if you want, but it's just not the way that we roll. So anyway, hopefully that makes sense. I've actually got a bunch of stuff to do today. And I mean, this is a little bit longer than I expected it to be. But anyway, hopefully you found value in this. And if you did, do me a favor, leave a rating and review down below. You know, we're in the business where we can make a lot of money. But if you lose a lot of money, that's really, really bad. The last thing I'll tell you is this. Maybe we'll talk about this sometime. Is protecting yourself is equally as important as securing yourself financially. So there, there are things that you can do to protect yourself so that you're not... So if you get attacked legally in some way, um, they can't come after all this stuff, right? You want everything set separate and then you want you to be separate even from that and there's ways to do it and um, it's very very important so that you know if someone comes after you they can't come after all of you and in fact they hopefully can come after none of you and there's ways that you can separate yourself from your assets from your businesses and things like that so that you can be very well protected in the sue happy age right now i think that's really important so anyway, hopefully you're having an amazing day, guys. Let me do me a favor, leave that review and rating down below. And if you would like to join the private discussion group, go to mlmsalesfunnels.com. So anyway, hopefully you have an amazing day, and we'll talk to you all soon.